Welcome in to episode four of Night Shift, and we have got a lot to cover today on the show. Uh, if you'd like to follow along to our socials, it is at Stubbs980, at Kyle Gamard, your host, Kyle Gamard, Mike Stubbs. And so on the show today, we'll get into it. We'll we'll discuss the course of the weekend. It was a successful weekend for the London Knights, and that'll lead them right into a very busy upcoming week and weekend. We're going to talk some highlights, including the emergence or the here I am moment for Sam Dickinson on the back end. But, you know, Stubbs this past weekend, you know, it, it it's never, you know, sometimes things don't go necessarily your direction right away. And all it takes is one weekend. And I feel like that's exactly what the Knights needed and got this past weekend. Yeah, I've been feeling all alone for a little while and trying my best to give the wait and see approach. I was at the Western Mustang game on Saturday afternoon and you get talking to a lot of people and just about everybody asked, you know, what about the Knights this year? Not their year this year, right? Not their year. And I kept saying, oh, no, no, don't don't look at it that way. This is a team that still has a really good roster. And they would say things like, yeah, but they haven't won a game yet. And I'd say, yeah, no, don't worry about that. This This is still a team that has a really good roster. And that's something that is true. And to have them win on Sunday, pick up three of four points over the weekend, we're starting to see what this team will be. And I had a chat with Denver Barkey before the game against the Hamilton Bulldogs, and we hit on that a little bit. The idea that you're going to go through adversity all over the place. Maybe it's better to have it at the beginning of the season. And he talked about peaking at the right time, that that's a line in the room. They talk about that a lot. And peaking at the right time is important. They look at a couple of peaks they had last year, and unfortunately, one of them was not in their first round series against Kitchener. And because of that, you don't remember the other peaks from last year. So this was a good sign. This was a good weekend. They very nearly got four of four points. There were a couple of big chances they had early in overtime against Mississauga to go in. And although there's no Mason McTavish on the other side, and now George Diaco, instead of playing for Hamilton, plays for the Knights, it was still good to be able to go in and beat the Hamilton Bulldogs, and there were some tests, especially among penalty killers. There was a time when the Knights were hemmed in their zone, and Hamilton has a lot of good players that they can still put out there. Avery Hayes is a shooter, and Logan Morrison is an excellent setup guy, and Artem Grushnikov is dangerous from the point, and these guys are going around and round on the power play. They sealed that penalty-killing unit in their own zone for two-plus minutes, maybe close to two-and-a-half, and they didn't score. And then there was a five-on-three at the end of the second period, and they didn't score. The Knights killed that off, and it was a full two-minute five-on-three. So those little victories that we talked about last week, you started to see some on Friday, they turned into little victories on Sunday, and ultimately a big victory on Sunday as the Knights defeated the Hamilton Bulldogs. Yeah, and, and four to two as well. The one other thing, Mike, that I think was really important about this weekend, it wasn't just the fact that they got four or three or four points. It's that they got three or four points from two very good teams and teams that London never had an opportunity to see last year based on the way that the scheduling worked out. They didn't see Hamilton last year. They didn't see Mississauga last year. And this year, going into the weekend, both teams 
were three and one heading into this contest. Now, Mississauga went on to win that game, improving to four and one. But Hamilton, another really good team. And London not only kept up with both of them, they took down. They took advantage of their opportunities. And Hamilton got out to an early lead. Hamilton climbed their way back in to make it three two. But then the empty netter at the end of the game sealed it for the Knights. And again, we, we talked about sometimes, you know, it's to get that first win at home where there's 9,000 people in the crowd. It's a little bit more pressure especially if you know that, you know, other areas and other arenas around the league don't necessarily host nine plus thousand fans and being able to do it on the road on a Sunday in Hamilton, getting out of the gate, you know, right away gave the Knights all that advantage. And now potentially has instilled even a little bit of confidence in in this team as they head out for, for a pretty busy week as well. Kyle, you hit on it perfectly. And that was something else that Denver Barkey, talked about in terms of scoring and confidence and how that all falls into place. A lot of positives take away, like Diaco scores his first of the night, Dickinson scores his first, I scored my first of the year, so I feel like it helps us build a lot of confidence. Like we've, we kinda, we continuously say this in the room, peak at the right time. I mean, last year we started 9-0, uh, 9-0 uh, first 10 games and we ended up losing in the first round, so uh, I think we're going to peak at the right time and we're going to start to turn things around here and uh, hopefully we can win some games. Now as the Knights go into Owen Sound and then come home, home for a home and home with the Saginaw spirit and if you go back to the start of this year Kyle there wasn't a lot of buzz around the Saginaw spirit there were a lot of people predicting that they would be bottom half of the Western Conference maybe a little bit more bottom than half and yet they've come out and they've started so well Pavel Minchikov and Matias Sapovalov They played their rookie years last year. They have been dynamite for Saginaw. They're getting good goaltending, and they're showing that they had more on their roster than maybe you might think. We can go back to their very first game. They blew out Guelph 10-6, and you think, "Ah, I don't know about that because the next day they lost to Niagara 7-2, and then they gave up seven goals. Uh, But then they bounced back and they scored seven goals against Sarnia. So they get into some high-scoring games, but they have been able to win more than they have lost. And right now, as we look ahead to this weekend, when the Saginaw Spirit will be at Budweiser Gardens, this is a club that currently sits with a record of 4-2-1, and and they are only one point behind the Windsor Spitfires for top spot in the Western Conference. Yeah, and on top of that, they are a high-scoring club. So to put it in perspective, through seven games, they have 37 goals for. They are scoring at an incredible clip. That's over five goals per game. Um, you, you, you talked about it. You know, a lot of teams, you know, last year, who were the big teams? You know, the, the, the Kingston was a big team. They've gotten off to a good start at 4-1. Uh, Ottawa's gotten off to a great start this year. Obviously, we heard a lot about, you know, Hamilton last year and their run. But, yeah, Saginaw was a team that I just think, you know, there's that parity in the OHL where, you know, you can kind of predict some team's success and some teams, you know, where they sit in the standings. But oftentimes, there are a lot of teams that surprise. I think last year, I'm not sure, Mike, if I'm, if I'm correct on this or not, but I think Flint, was a really big team last year that kind of came in that I don't think anyone thought they were going to be as good as they were last year. No, absolutely not. And look at how far they went in the playoffs. So impressive run for the Flint Firebirds, eventually bowing out to Windsor, but they almost took down Windsor. And 
the key with the Saginaw spirit, I think, is good coaching, good management. Chris Lazary does a really good job as their head coach, and Dave Drinkle's an excellent manager, finding players that fit into the right roles. And Lazary's a guy that will look at his team and say, okay, what do I have? Here's the way that we're going to do it. Very similarly to what we see the Knights do. Yeah, and 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 on top of, you know, with everything that Saginaw's been, you know, that to all their success this season – You've got a very veteran goaltender and now an NHL draft pick of the New York Islanders a couple of years ago, Tristan Lennox. You've got, you know, your imports on the back end defensively. And then, of course, you've got the exceptional status player of Michael Misa, who, you know, is making his impact in the league. And, and that's when you have a steady goaltender, when you've got a solid defense core and you've got a good mix of forwards, you know, up front, whether it's, you know, veterans and then special players coming up, it, it makes for a good combination. That's it. So Owen Sound, we didn't even touch on them yet, but they are also an excellent team. And they've added Matthew Quatra from Niagara. And one of those strange deals where Niagara gave up a third round pick and a fourth round pick to Guelph to get Matthew Quatra and then traded him to Owen Sound for a fifth round pick. Wait a minute. You gave up a third and a fourth for a player. You kept him for a little while. Then you traded him for a fifth. I don't understand the math. Nobody understands the math, but. Owen Sound benefits in all of this because they're the ones that have him now, and he's just somebody else who adds that offensive dimension to a team that already had a lot of offense. And Colby Barlow, who's only in his second year, he's their captain. This guy scored 30 goals last year. If he doesn't get 50 this year, it's going to be a surprise. He's heating up. So big games this week for the Knights and not easy ones by any means. No, those tests continue to come on. And and yeah, Owen Sound has just gotten even deeper with the acquisition uh, earlier this week. And and yeah, Kobe Barlow, I wanted to touch on him because we were talking about him uh, on our After the Buzzer, our, our post-game show after the game on Friday and just talking about how big of a year he's going to have. He was given the captaincy. He's a former first-round pick or first-round selection in the OHL selection process back in 2021. And now he is... He's the guy. He's the leader of that team, and he is going to basically set the tone for them moving forward. And and London's going to have quite the opportunity to get a chance to see how they're going to uh, play against him, how they're going to turn him down. But there is potential for the Knights to be getting some help on the back end. Mike, you and I talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but you know we've already seen the emergence, and we'll talk about this guy in a little bit of of. Sam Dickinson, who's been on another level, but you know, there's potential on the back end. We saw a glimpse of Isaiah George on <laughs> Sunday. A glimpse. You're right. He took warm up. He dressed for the game. He did play a shift and then he left the game and he did not return. So the question is, was he just testing things out or did maybe something not feel right? I'm kind of thinking that may have been it in the way that he left the game so does this mean that Isaiah George could be out a little while longer we'll wait to find out the official but he was injured in training camp with the New York Islanders and so if he's out that's that's a loss for the Knights that they'd just love to not have to lose he's such a good player and so to see him take one shift, hopefully he was just testing it out. This was all part of the plan. We'll find out on Wednesday for sure when the Knights go to Owen Sound. But you also mentioned the other player that is due to come back, and that's Logan Mayu, who didn't play on the weekend, but had been returned from Montreal's training camp. And word is he's going to play on Wednesday in Owen Sound. That will be his season debut. So you add a guy with a great big shot, 
from the point. You had somebody with a lot of offensive savvy and somebody who has an edge to them defensively as well. He's a very good player, and he's somebody that has not played a lot in the OHL and can't wait to get going again. Yeah, and that that'll be really exciting for him just to get back on the ice, to get his you know his feet wet, his you know where he works with the with the decor on the back end, and will honestly, Mike, will take a little bit of of stress and pressure off the other guys who have been carrying the load. You know, we've seen guys, um, you know, uh, Ethan McKinnon has done such a fantastic job, and uh, obviously a name that I wanted to bring up here. Sam Dickinson. So Sam Dickinson so far this season, of course, he was the fourth overall selection from this um, earlier this year, this past uh, entry selection. And he gets moved over from Niagara to London. And through the first five games of the season, he collects his first career Ontario Hockey League goal. He's got four points through five games. He's quarterbacking a power play. He's playing big minutes on the penalty kill. He's out in crucial times and situations. Is he as every bit as advertised we thought coming into the year? Yes, even more so. He really is. I remember talking to somebody who said he'd been at the camp for the under-17s, and they're coming up starting on November the 5th, and he's somebody who you would expect to be on Team Canada for the under-17s or taking part in that hockey challenge. It's happening in Delta and Langley, B.C. in early October. Gets going on the 5th. So Sam Dickinson was at that camp and this scout was saying, yeah, he, he was one of the the best defensemen on the ice, but that is with your peers. And you never know how you're going to look when you step into the Ontario hockey league, because it's 16, you've got a lot of older players that you're dealing with, but Sam just continues to get better and better and better. And he's even surprised himself a little bit. We had a chance to talk with him about whether he expected what he's been able to do this early in his OHL career. It's pretty unreal right now. It's uh, We've had a, a bit of a uh, weak start to the season as a team, but I think uh, personally I've, I've been not too bad. I was lucky enough to get those points and uh, we're looking to turn around now and, and uh, finish strong. What's the learning curve like in this league? How much have you learned, do you think, since starting training camp to now? It's unbelievable. I think I've learned so much from the coaches, the other players. Is they've all been uh, such a great help to, to help me to, uh, to learn a bunch of new things from, uh, from the players to the, to the coaches again. They've been so great and I've, uh, I've learned a lot since I've been here. Getting that first goal. I mean, you you scored a goal in preseason where you just picked the top corner. Getting the first one in the regular season. Can you describe what it was like? It's unbelievable. It's uh, it's such a cool feeling. Uh, it's uh, it's been a dream of mine to, to be able to play in this league and, and to score one uh, pretty early in my career. Is, it's such an honor, and it was. Uh, I, I'd like to say it was a pretty nice goal. So. Uh, it was a really cool feeling, and that's one I won't forget soon. When you made contact with that puck, did you know, yeah, I got all of that? Uh, I think so. When I uh, when I stepped into that one, it felt pretty good. So uh, I think when it came off the stick, I had a pretty good feeling about it, and uh, lucky enough it went in. And then not on the road, at home, 9,000 people. Could you hear them? Oh, man, it's uh, it's unreal, the fans being there. And, and to do it at home especially was even better. Uh, and the fans got into it, and, and every goal you score, they get loud. And playing there is uh, it's unbelievable. So it was even better for it to happen at home. Congratulations. Thank you very much. He mentioned all of the things that he's learned. We're talking about one training camp, one preseason, and five games in the Ontario Hockey League. You're going to continue to learn. Normally, it will take a half season for players to start to adjust. And sometimes, even at 16, 17 years old, that first half of the year, your rookie year, 
you're doing a lot more learning than you are contributing, but he's already contributing. Kyle, his ability to get pucks through to the net, it just seems to be a natural talent. Not everybody has this to find that hole and to have your brain say, okay, now shoot now and have it get through. He does that. It helped him to score his first OHL goal against Mississauga on Friday. And then guess what? He puts another puck through to the net that Denver Barkey tips later in the game. And then he scores another goal against Hamilton on Sunday afternoon. Same sort of thing by getting pucks through. And in today's hockey world, that's harder than it's ever been. Look at how many guys are there to block shots now. That's just part of hockey, more so than it's ever been. And he's still able to do it. And he's still only five games into his career. I don't even want to say that that loud. <laughs> it is. It's wildly impressive. And yeah, Mike, the one point you t you touched on was just the ability to get pucks through. You know, we watched uh, in, an incredible amount of block shots earlier this season in one of the night's games where we just said the Knights couldn't couldn't buy it. Like the team committed to playing defense. I believe it was the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. And they just decided we're blocking every single shot. We got up early. And so Sam Dickinson decided to adjust a little bit. His first goal came in on a little bit of a broken play where Sean McGurn was able to feed a puck back over. And Sam walked in. And Alessio Beglieri is a fantastic goaltender. Going into the game last Friday... He had a goals against average at under two, I believe is at one, six, seven and a save percentage upwards of, of nine 20 or nine 30 something. And Sam Dickinson beat him clean. And that is very hard to do, especially on very solid goaltenders. I know he was an import in the, in the, um, in the OHL import draft earlier this season, but uh, beating him clean as a rookie and then, following it up with a goal the very next game where you're walking to the middle just to get a shot through that's heavy enough to be a goaltender. It's we are just seeing the signs and potential of where this player can be. Maybe not even a year from now, by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. And if you talk rookies who are making impacts for their team, he's making as big an impact as any 16 year old rookie right now. And you've mentioned some of the big names, Michael Misa certainly being one of them. Now he's an underage player. He's only 15 years of age, but no, Sam Dickinson is playing some big minutes out of necessity, but he's not in positions where he can't handle it. And that's something that the Knights coaching staff will always do. You put a guy out there in certain situations, if he can handle that, all right, we'll give you some extra responsibilities. And, and it's almost like he was brought along slowly in the preseason. And well, can he do this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about this? Yeah, that's going all right. And so he's been taking on more and more responsibility and to think he's able to, offer up his shot from the point. He's got a very good shot, both wrist shot and slap shot, and he scored on both of them this weekend. And then you add in Logan Mayu's shot from the point. That's going to make the Knights' power play very difficult to deal with because you've got two shooters on it. You've got players like George Diaco and Denver Barkey who can set things up from the half wall. You've got guys down low. You've got some net front presence. You've got all the ingredients that you want for a power play that has so many different dimensions. So that's going to be something to watch moving forward in, in the next few games because the Knights tend to have a very good power play and sometimes they'll have a very good power play and they won't have every single element that you want right now. They do. Yeah. And, and like you said, when, when Mayu does return, which hopefully will be this coming Wednesday, it's just going to make for, you can't, 
double, like you can't double up against the player. You can't focus all your attention on Logan Mayu because then the puck goes over to Sam Dickinson, who has already shown he can walk in and be the goaltender clean. But you can't focus on just the defense core because if you get the puck down low to Diaco or to Denver Barkey, they have a way of setting things up. Ryan Del Monte had a very nice weekend as well. He had multi-points, I believe, in both games this past weekend. So there are a lot of options there for London Knights and getting these players back is not only going to take, I feel, a lot, of, a little bit of pressure off of them, whether it's offensively or defensively, but it's going to make them, it's going to make teams opposing them have to figure out who we're going to guard and maybe take a little pressure off the forwards and focus on the defensemen or focus more on, on the defensemen and take a little bit more off the forwards. It's whatever the case may be. I think that just adding more of these integral pieces benefits everybody. Well, that's exactly it. It's what you want. That's how you make a difficult team to play against. And you mentioned Ryan Del Monte. If anyone hasn't seen his goal from the Hamilton game, you need to go to OntarioHockeyLeague.com and you need to get to the highlights on the summary page and you need to watch that goal because there were two things that happened there. One, Ryan Del Monte got a rip of a shot away. It was a great shot, but Brody Crane may have had one of the prettiest drop passes ever where he took a guy who was in front of him and he just deftly touches the puck back through his legs and you've almost got a double screen in front of the goaltender and Del Monte used it where you had Brody Crane and a defender and then it's almost like Del Monte just ducked out from behind this screen and wired this shot. It's it's something to see. You need to see. I can't describe it any better than that. You need to go to OntarioHockeyLeague.com and check it out. Yeah, you definitely do. And, and you're going to want to stay there, too, because the Knights, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, have a very busy schedule on the way. They kick things off on Wednesday. They're on the road in Owen Sound at Harry Lumley Bayshore Community Center. They're then back home on Friday where they take on we mentioned earlier the Saginaw Spirit with a little home and home as they then travel to Saginaw on the Saturday for uh, to finish off that double header there. Uh, Mike, anything else you want to touch on here before we uh, before we cap this thing? I think we're out of time for today, but here's something that we're going to do on Thursday. We'll recap the Owen Sound game. You'll be able to, as the the podcast drops later on Thursday, you will be able to hear us recap the Owen Sound game and set up the weekend a little bit more against the Saginaw Spirit. But something else we have to do, we have to look at the NHL because when you do the numbers on the number of former OHLers who started the year in the National Hockey League, the numbers are big, 173. But it's always interesting to break that down by team. And if you look by team and you count up players either drafted or acquired, so some players will play for two teams. Robert Thomas of the London Knights and the Hamilton Bulldogs is a great example. Could you say he was more a Bulldog than he was a Knight? Let's see. He won a Memorial Cup with the Knights in the first half of his OHL career, and then he finished in Hamilton, helping them to an OHL championship to the point that he scored the game winner in the series-clinching game in the finals. So, no, he, he was a Knight and a Bulldog. So there are players like that. Was Austin Watson more of a Windsor Spitfire, a Peterborough Pete, or a London Knight? Great question. Uh, he was kind of all three. So what we did was we broke that down where we credited every team for their role in a development of a player. And if you if you look at the numbers, the London Knights have 31 players who are starting the year in the National Hockey League who 
played for them, either having been drafted by the Knights or been acquired by the Knights or signed. And the next team down is Sault Ste. Marie with 19. But maybe the most telling part about that is that the league average is 11.2. So the league average is basically 11 players that you produce that go on to play in the NHL. The Knights have 31. And I've done this exercise for years, and I've looked at it in other leagues. I've compared the WHL and the QMJHL. No one's even closer than Sault Ste. Marie in those two leagues dating back to last year. And I've even done it in the NCAA. And there are a couple of programs in the NCAA that would have 17, 18 of their players. Now, the U.S. National Development Team program becomes a little different, but that's almost like an all-star team. So you can count that how you want to. But as far as programs, colleges, whether it's USHL, you're looking at 17 or 18. The Knights are consistently high 20s or even this year, low 30s. So we'll delve into that a little bit more because this area, London and area, is also big. 13 London and area players start of the year in the NHL. So the connections are far and wide and pretty impressive to look at. Uh, that that's going to be exciting. I'm actually I'm really intrigued to hear the rest of that list because you, 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 all the big names come to the top of your head. But as you trickle down, as you get to the high teens, low twenties, you start kind of running out of players, and then you start naming players that you're like, oh, I can't believe I forgot about him. Who are very high on that list. So that's that is going to be a fun exercise. I am very much looking forward to that uh, on Thursday's edition of Night Shift. Which concludes today's episode four. If you'd like to check it again, we are online. Just go to uh, globalnews.ca, 980CFPL, to uh, listen and catch up with all the other episodes we have dropped so far. Knights can pick up their first one of the season. They have an opportunity to double that up on Wednesday in Owen Sound. We'll recap that game on Thursday's episode of the podcast. At Stubbs980 on social media, at Calgamard. Both of those are on Twitter. Enjoy, and we'll uh, talk to you Thursday.